stuff, consulting and research-wise on the side. So my perspective on today's talk about fasting may look a little bit different and may come at it from a little different perspective than Patrick and George may have taken it. And I guess you're just left with me today. You know, you don't get really chance uh, chance to hear them. But I do want to make sure, I have not been here the past couple weeks. I tend to sit in on this class whenever I do show up. So is this the right passage that we're on? Anybody remember? Yes. Yes? Okay. We are in Matthew 6. That would be awkward if it wasn't, but we're going to go with it anyway. So uh, today we're going to primarily be focused on fasting, uh, which nowadays it comes up in a lot of different contexts, a lot of different ways. It's practiced as a spiritual discipline, sometimes as a political movement, sometimes as a health-related thing. Uh, today we're primarily going to focus on fasting as a spiritual discipline. So to get us started, we're going to see how most people tend to view fasting, at least in the Christian world. Maybe, maybe not. Oh, is there something else that's supposed to be turned on? Is it on button? I think fasting's awesome. I mean, where else can you combine spirituality and dieting all in the same way? I mean, it gets a bound rap, pound for pound it does. You know, people think it's for monks or supermodels and stuff like that. But I'm here to tell you it's for everybody. Last summer, I had a 20-year reunion slash barbecue slash swim party to go to, and I've done but had to drop about 85 pounds. <laughs> so thanks to fasting, what has two thumbs and look good in a swimsuit? <laughs> this guy. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Fasting? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's great to uh, skip a meal or two so you can hear God's voice better, you know? Stay plugged into it. Yeah. You know, some people uh, fast from phones and music and gadgets. But that's, that's not a sacrifice. That's, that's not even biblical. I mean, that, that's crazy talk, you know? I mean, God gave us this stuff so we could stay plugged into it maximize our lives. It also keeps us busy enough to never be still or quiet. Are you even a Christian? you fast your phone for one minute. Fine. Minute. You got it. No biggie. I don't care. I probably should take that. I fast. Okay, that's a total lie. I don't even fast at all. Okay, I want to. Another lie. Don't even think about it. <laughs> Deal is, I'm hypoglycemic and diabetic, and that's not even close to the truth at all, okay? Hey, even the Bible says, he who hopes dies fasting, right? Right? Okay, Benjamin Franklin said that right before he died. Bottom line, <laughs> fasting makes me hungry. Are we almost uh, done? I'm Brett Johansson, and I believe that fasting is one of the greatest spiritual disciplines one can achieve in their faith. When my family or friends invite me to go to lunch, I gently remind them and passive-aggressively admonish them by reminding them, did you not get my fasting notification email? Oh, that I had the luxury to eat lunch like you do. <laughs> Every year around Easter, I go through a 40-day fast to heighten my sensation of the Easter holiday. 
This year, however, I've decided to tack on 10 extra days. <laughs> so by the time we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, I will have been fasting for 50 whole days. If I survive. In my fast, I have a very rigid schedule. And if you do not have a rigid schedule, then God does not approve. Some people like to cheat, and they drink flavored waters and juices within the fast. You must be drinking unfiltered well water. And if you do not drink unfiltered well water, God does not approve. In the afternoon, I put a cone of silence around me. I do not talk to anyone. Yes, that does annoy people. Yes, it does anger my coworkers. I am persecuted within my fast. And if you are not persecuted within the fast, God does not approve. When I get home, I go straight to my prayer closet. I do not talk to my wife. I do not play with the kids. I let them fend for themselves. And if the kids do not fend for themselves and the wife does not get talked to, God does not approve. You know what? I'm going to ask nice one more time and then I am not in control of what happens, okay? So give me the phone. Okay, fine. I need the phone. I, I need to call. Um, no, I want to call. So more than likely, you have heard fasting, seen fasting, observed by others, maybe yourself in some shape, form, or fashion, where there's this ideas of how it should be done, shouldn't be done, what counts, what doesn't count. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about the historical view of fasting, at least from the Jewish perspective, and maybe what more so a modern-day fast actually looks like for us. So to get us started, if you want to huddle up around with those, huddle up with those around you and kind of talk through these questions, uh, take a couple minutes, and then we'll dive into the actual passage, Matthew 6, 16 through 18. All right? On your mark, get set, go. So anybody want to talk about or share what maybe they've given up that they consume or use before? Screen time thing on your phone. Yeah, I, I know. I don't know. If Android has it. I have an iPhone. <laughs> and sometimes when I look at it, I'm like, Are you sure that's for an entire day, or is that just like my total usage for the week? And I think I checked mine last night, and I've been averaging about three and a half hours a day. And I look at what apps I'm actually using, and I'm like, But what? What am I actually? I don't have three and I don't have an hour of text messages that I have to review every day. Don't have an hour of emails that I have to do. I don't there's nothing on ESPN that needs to consume my time for an hour each day. But that is what I just kind of default and go to whenever I pick up my phone. And then it has how many times you pick it up, which is terrifying, okay? <laughs> As well. Because it makes me wonder what's going on in that moment that I'm actually picking it up. Is it like a Pavlovian response where there's a ding or a buzz and my I automatically pick it up. Is it out of 
anxiety or nervousness about a specific situation, that's kind of my pacifier that I go to. All right. Anybody else, what have you ever given up in terms of food or using? ever given up anything? Okay. Um, what did you tell others, for those of you that have maybe given something up, um, fasted from something, what did you communicate to others about what you were doing? Or if anything, did you communicate, tell anyone about what you were doing? I like, usually I wouldn't tell someone unless it like unless they like ask me like something that kind of like would like force me to tell them about the fast I guess mm -hmm. so like if they asked about like lunch or something I was like oh I'm like I, I wouldn't like I felt weird like lying I felt like I already ate like <laughs> just, uh, yeah if it's um, spiritually yeah so that's kind of so how do I share with others this is what I'm doing and maybe why I'm doing it in a way that's not no, it's kind of tricky to navigate. I don't want to feel like I'm just saying, hey, I'm doing this, but I also don't want to just make stuff up and lie about it. Like, ah, can't have lunch today because I have a meeting with so-and-so. Well, that's not necessarily the case. Did anybody notice anything about you when you were going through this period? With friends, family members, roommates, partners, say anything to you when you were going through this? Did they say you look irritable? You look frustrated? On edge? You look calmer? You look more at peace? What was that? I was just, I don't remember. You don't remember? <laughs> It tends to be that early on, whenever we are giving something up that has taken up a lot of our time, energy, and effort, the period in the short run is very challenging because it begins to expose maybe why we were using that thing. And the people around us are usually the direct, uh, in the direct line of our frustrations, irritations. However, if we give it a little bit of time in the long run, they can also be the beneficiaries of ourselves as we have not just given ourselves over to phone, food, whatever the case may be. Now, it's not saying that that's why we do it. We're going to get into kind of what is the actual intention of fasting. But an indirect result of fasting from anything usually, be, usually is our relationships with others are able to go deeper. Our relationships with God, uh, our relationship with God is uh, better developed and our understanding of ourselves is also better developed as well. So here is the passage specifically that Patrick asked us to take a look at. And there's two different versions that I wanted to take a look at today. One is the NIV version and then the other is the message. But the NIV says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. 
and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And then come maybe an alternative, more how we might discuss or think about this passage nowadays, um, is when you practice some appetite-denying discipline to better concentrate on God, don't make a production out of it. It might turn you into a small-time celebrity, but it won't make you a saint. If you go on training your inwardly, if you go on into your training inwardly, act normal outwardly. Shampoo and comb your hair, brush your teeth, wash your face. God doesn't require attention-getting devices. He won't overlook what you are doing. He'll reward you as well. So this kind of gets at, it's not just about fasting from food, but fasting from any type of thing that may consume our lives and distract us from what's most important. So here's what I would like for you to do again in your groups. Imagine that you were given this passage, and if you had to summarize it or put it into your own words to describe it or summarize it for a non-Christian, how would you do it using non-Christianese language? All right. So how would you not say, truly I tell you, or uh, what is the oil part? Father who is unseen, or wash your face, or anything along those lines. How would you actually describe some, to someone who's a non-Christian what the gist of this passage is and explaining the importance of it to a Christian practice? All right. So what might be challenging to get across to them, and what might be some of the non-Christianese language that you might use in your description? So, again, in your groups, huddle up and kind of talk through what this may look like for you in your description to others. On your mark, get set, go. All right, let's start in the back back here. And what did y'all come up with might be a way of describing this to non-Christians using non-Christianese language? Uh, we said basically to that you're abstaining from something that's important in your life at the moment, and don't be uh, boastful or like really showy about it because that kind of defeats the purpose of the whole thing in the first place. Okay. So if it's not kind of going along those lines too, it's here's what it's not, and if you had to hone in on what it actually is and does, what would you say? It's redirecting your mind to, in this case, God. I guess other people who aren't Christian kind of use it for a different purpose. But redirecting your mind so that even if you're not using every second you say to read the Bible or something, if you're like not eating food every time you get hungry, you probably think of food first, and then the reason you're doing it is with God. I think that's an important distinction. Are we, in our description, are we just saying what not to do? Or are we also including, like, what is the actual intent and what is the actual purpose of this? What are we doing instead? Good. What about the other? There's another group back here. Yeah, I mean, we said similar stuff. Just maybe, like, let's say temporarily depriving yourself of something that, that you're used to or that you typically indulge in yeah. for purposes of like, mental and spiritual health to, to renew, to reset. And people can relate to those words pretty well. Okay. Good. This group? We kind of talked about the other part of it where it talks about not boasting, like not being very boastful about your thoughts and keeping it more to yourself because it's for you 
We're going to get to the disciplines part in a second. We talked a little bit about how like, it would be challenging to tell people like, the distinguishing between getting your reward here and getting your reward in heaven. First of all, if they're not a Christian, you'd be like, okay, well, like, if this isn't something you believe in, how do we put this into terms that make sense? And on top of that, Caroline made a great point of like, it does kind of sound selfish to say like, you're getting your rewards in heaven and not getting them here, so like, you're still getting rewarded, so what's the difference, and like, what's the point in doing it if the first part of it says, oh, like, you shouldn't be doing this so other people see you and reward you here, but then the last part of it is like, well, you're still going to get something out of it. Yeah. Um, you kind of just discussed the way that, um, like, how we can understand why we need that, and how someone can be a Christian and understand the necessity of that, and like, how do I do Yeah, actual, so how many of you have heard of this idea of multitasking? Guess what? Uh, it's not, it's a thing, but it doesn't actually work. It's not like your brain gets split up so everything gets 100% or your mind. Your attention actually gets divided out of a certain percentage of 100. So if i am got four things going on, it's not like I'm giving each 100%. I'm actually giving each maybe 25% if it each part's like it, okay? So when I say I've got all these other things going on around me, but I also am focused, trying to focus my attention on God, uh, connect with Him, and develop my relationship with Him, all these other things, in a sense, are distracting me and pulling my attention away from God. What did y'all come up with? I guess connecting basically everything everyone else has said, um, and then giving it its purpose when you connect it to the last couple passages about prayer and about... Um, praise and worship, it's really God values like humility over pride. That's the message you kind of see through that whole passage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Group up front. We kind of talked about how um, we could kind of, I think a lot of people know a lot about prayer, and so we kind of compared it to praying, um, and how um, through prayer, like we communicate, and it's not necessarily about ourselves. Uh, and so in the same way fasting is like the way that we sacrifice to like get God's attention and like live with him but I don't I don't know what else we said what else did we say about? we had we had some good points <laughs> I don't really know what they were we had some things that I was like that's good but, um, <laughs> it happened should have wrote it down you're going to say something And that could be a great example to share with someone who's not a follower of Christ or a non-Christian or maybe new of like, so what was this like for you? Uh, and if you have had some experiences, you cannot just say like what you nailed, you know, what you got, what felt like worked. It's also like, here's some things I kind of stumbled through on my way to figuring out how to do this as well. Because no one's going to nail it really their first time. The first time someone fasts, it's going to be like, what was supposed to happen after that? Or what was I supposed to experience? 
So it's usually not a one-time only thing. It's a period. It's a practice. It's a discipline. It's something that we do consistently, uh, ritually, weekly, monthly, whatever the case may be. Yes. Um, we also talked about like the difference between prayer and fasting and how we're so quick to pray because it's it's easy. It's like that's the communication part. But fasting is when you have to give something up, and that's the sacrifice part. Yeah. But God calls us to both so strongly. And we just talked about how it's kind of sad that we've, we've jumped to prayer so quick because it's so easy. Um, and that's just the communication part, really. And then the fasting is also should be something that we should be practicing, but it takes sacrifice. So. Good. Yeah, I'm <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, I think it's important, like, we talked a lot about how it's just, it's about us and God and stuff, but I think it's really powerful when you, like, fast with other people, and I think that it's a communal thing, too. It can be. It can be. Again, we're, it's about why are we doing this together, and how are we going to do this together. Next. In psychology, we call that displacement, meaning I give up one thing, uh, thinking like this thing is not good for me or I need to abstain from it for a little while. And instead of focusing in on something that's more important, I just go slide over to something else. So, for example, my sister-in-law um, a while back told me that her dad used to be uh, a heavy smoker. And then all of a sudden, he quit kind of cold turkey. And they're like, this is great. But now his obsession, in a sense, is cleaning and cleaning is more socially acceptable, okay? So it's great for the family because he's the one that goes around and cleans all the house. But it's still the same type of thing. It's when he gets anxious and nervous, he just slides over into cleaning, okay? So if I give something up, there's this hole in my time that I usually fill it with. And it's also an indicator of what I then, if I jump to something else, then I know that maybe there's something that I really need to take a look at and I need to really focus on. Otherwise, it's just filling this so I don't have to deal with it. And fasting could kind of be that thing. So I've abstained from food or technology or whatever, but then what am I doing with my time? And we're going to talk about how really what abstinence or being abstaining or being sober really looks like and what it really means here in a second. All right, next. Um, I 
Anything? Are y'all part of that group? Okay. Yeah, I think a lot of what we talked about Brian said, we didn't think it would be challenging to explain, especially the part about focusing on God with the time to a non-Christian, but I think that um, just relating to someone's mental health, I mean, fasting is a more higher level Christian discipline than maybe talking to someone who's not a Christian about loving one another or being kind. So I think it would be a little more difficult to explain. This is like saying, so we're going to go from just kind of walking on the treadmill to you're going to run a seven-minute mile, okay? And you're going to do that for about five miles, all right? So we're kind of saying we're not just onboarding, but after a while, this is what when you get deep in to deepen your spiritual practice, to deepen your exercise, your ability to exercise, this is kind of the next level thing. It's very, very important. All right, so good. So this is always something that I make sure I like to include because talking about fasting amongst ourselves is great uh, if you're a follower of Christ. However, talking and be able to explain this in language that connects and resonates with non-followers of Christ or new followers of Christ is very important too because this is just not language that we really use nowadays, okay? So how do we translate this into other better, be able to translate into better understanding? Um, Here's my modern day take for what it's worth. When you're thinking about engaging in a spiritual practice that emphasizes being with and focusing on God, Don't think about what might happen after all of that goes down or what others may think of you. Don't think about what Instagram filters you'll use to make your comfy chair with a window view look better or walking around being humble out loud about giving up your coffee and brunches or planning out what you'll say in response to others when they ask how come you're not using technology for the week. That's missing the point. Just hone in on being with God. Keep it simple. Keep it focused on the now. And keep this inward practice between you and God. So how you are able to understand this and explain this is really important, not just for you, but for others as well. So here's some background. Um, fasting is considered one of the inward disciplines. If you read, if you read Richard Foster's The Celebration of Something, Discipline, ah, there we go. Um, he kind of breaks it down to inward, outward, external, and kind of communal disciplines. Uh, fasting is considered one of the internal ones, the inward ones. It's not an exclusive Christian idea, though. Fasting is found in a lot of other major world world religions, and some do it a lot better than we do as Christians. Specifically, um, if anyone is familiar with anyone, knows someone that's Muslim, Ramadan, they take very seriously. It's a month of fasting between sunrise and sundown. Um, And they, I mean, it's not just fasting from food. It's fasting from all types of things between sunrise and sundown. And sundown, and they take it very seriously. In graduate school, one of my colleagues, uh, she was Muslim, and she talked to us about kind of like what all she has to prep for and what it's like for her throughout the day. And she talked about how she always would catch herself around lunchtime or so, really having this urge to be irritable, and then kind of like recognizing what the major focus of all that fasting actually was uh, to be focused on for her, Allah. But that was their month-long practice. For us, in the Christian world, and some, uh, our Catholic friends tend to do this with Lent. Uh, in the Protestant world, we kind of sometimes latch on to Lent and use it for the Easter season. Um, but we also maybe just kind of do it at a lower level. Each Sabbath, though, in a sense, is supposed to be a fast. So we actually, scripturally, have this built into our week, where we are to fast from work, from things that distract us that we have committed ourselves to, to have a day of rest and to deepen our relationship with God. So this isn't just a fast from food. This is a fast of 
things that's built into our entire week, which I don't want to go around the room and say, do you have a Sabbath? Because I wouldn't be able to raise my hand with this because uh, I tend to find some way to work most days of the week. But being able to do a Sabbath is a form of rest. Uh, and scripture fasting is primarily going about without food for spiritual purposes. It contrasts with for political or power purposes. So there are fasts for like hunger strikes to gain positions or the upper hand in a political discourse or for health reasons, which that's becoming a craze now. There was a clip of, who's the guy from, oh, his name's Chris. Uh, he's an actor. There's a bunch of Chris's, I know. Chris Pratt, I think it was. He was on Stephen Colbert a while back talking about his fast um, for like health-related reasons, but also kind of spiritual purposes. But this is specifically fasting for, we're talking about fasting for spiritual-related purposes, but it doesn't usually include abstaining from water. We know that most people can go no more than three days without water. Okay, so if someone says, I'm going to fast for a week without water, you should say, not a good idea. Okay? All right, so that really is a health-related concern that, that we need to make sure. We're going to talk about how to fast well. But how to fast usually just means food. However, we can also include in our modern-day society any of these number of other things that consume our time and attention. In Scripture, the Pharisees primarily fasted on certain days, specifically Mondays and Thursdays, because these were when people were in the marketplace all around them, and they could be seen publicly. So this is what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 6, uh, verses 16 through 18. They're not, this is when Pharisees would say, oh, I've been fasting for so long, and I look disheveled, and I haven't combed my hair or bathed or anything along those lines. And they would do this primarily to be seen because they wanted to be seen as more spiritual, viewed as more spiritual. So it's the equivalent to acting out when we're engaging in a spiritual discipline or practice. And what do you think might be the equivalent for us today of acting out whenever we're engaging in a spiritual practice? So someone's practicing one of the spiritual disciplines, and it may be one of the inward disciplines, but how do you see them kind of displaying this? Yes? Yeah. yeah. So, by the way, I'm trying to do this low key, but to my thousand followers, hey, here. No, okay, so literally this week, there was a girl who like posted on her Instagram. She she like took a month or whatever off of Instagram, I think, and she did this long caption with a little selfie. And um, she's like super sweet and all, but I was like, okay, like you're kind of like boasting this or whatever. But I think there's also kind of, there can be a good thing with, like, talking about fasting and making that, like, a more normal thing. Because, like, I don't know if it was for spiritual reasons or not, but, like, I think it's important to talk about it, but, like, to be careful about how you talk about yeah. it. So that brings in the question of motives, which we're going to talk about. So not every post on Instagram about a spiritual discipline is boasting. But it does raise questions about some of the inward ones, which Jesus's ethic is really... Keep this between you and God. Go into your closet and pray. Do this privately. Give so you don't, like your right and your left hand don't know what you're doing, your charity. And when we put this out publicly, it does kind of raise some eyebrows of why is someone doing this? What might be the benefit, the function of that, as we would say in the counseling world? So Jesus has two specific teaching on fastings that I could find. I'm sure there's more. There may be more. 
but he says when you fast in Matthew 6, 16, as an expectation of this is a practice that Christians will be doing, which we talked, some of you hinted at that um, it, fasting doesn't tend to get included with some of the others that Jesus has in Matthew 6 and Matthew 7. So giving, generosity, praying, possessions, worrying, and judging. And is anyone saying that Christians should not do these regularly? But fasting is the one that we're like, eh, maybe I'll just wait for that one time Lent rolls around and give up some chocolate or some TV or something along those lines, okay? But he's saying this expectation of when you do fast, as this is an integral practice for his, his followers. The other part is in Matthew 9, 14 through 17, um, Jewish, the Pharisees and John's disciples were, fa were fasting, and they were coming to Jesus and saying, how come your disciples aren't doing this? And Jesus' response isn't so much that you don't have to. It's a matter of they are doing some other spiritual practices and learning with me right now, and when I leave them, when I die and resurrected and go back with my Father, that's when their time of fasting is really going to be important. So he's not saying that they don't have to, but he's saying that as part of what they're doing right now, it is a spiritual practice, and this is still important too. So it's not an either or, it's a both and. Um, and here's what else I found out about, about fasting. Um, there's inevitable danger to entering into it and the intent behind practicing it. So a lot of the Pharisees, a lot of what's found in Scripture is this, this um, warning about superior piety, a deliberate demonstration not to God but to others of how devoted and disciplined they were. It sometimes can come with a lack of humility and instead evidences our spiritual pride. And then William Barclay, who's a commentator, says there's no religious value in fasting undertaken for its own sake or as an ostentatious demonstration of superior piety. As I mentioned before, this is consistent. Jesus' teaching is consistent with his other parables, his other teachings of do this in secret or let's talk about the heart. What's the intent of me, of you, whenever you are doing this? It's also important to the, so fasting is important to the Christian life. It exposes our motives for something or our intent for doing something. Meaning, am I fasting to get something from God or to be with God without other, all the other life's distractions? It preserves us from becoming slaves of habit. And habit is distinct from ritual. Habit means I do this without even consciously thinking about it. And a ritual is something that I'm consciously thinking about and I do it consistently with a purpose. And the opposite of addiction uh, may be, um, excuse me, this is supposed to say not sobriety or abstaining. It's connection. So if I'm giving up something, it's not just the fact that I'm sober from that. It's the actual opposite of, of um, addiction to something is being connected to something. And that's what Jesus is talking about. Whenever you fast from something, whether it's food, technology, or whatever the case may be, it's the, what really is going to be most beneficial to you and what is going to fill you up and satiate you is when you get connected to God in that process. So again, it's not just fasting for the sake of giving something up. It's for the sake of being able to be better connected to God. It preserves our ability to do without things. And then in Acts 14, Paul and Barnabas use it as part of a spiritual practice to actually make decisions about, in this case, who elders should be. But it was included with prayer, too. So they, were, they said they did went through this process of both prayer and fasting. So here's what I want to end with. Um, 
how to start a fasting practice. One, don't decide right now that you're going to fast for the next week if you've never done it before. All right? Probably not going to end well. And a lot of times that ends up like with New Year's resolutions where it, uh, you say, I have this grand resolution, and then how long do those usually last? Maybe 24 hours. And you're like, ah, I had coffee the next morning. Sorry. You know? Oh, well. But start slow. Start with maybe skipping a meal each day. And not just skipping it, but what are you going to do instead to connect with God during that time? Where are you going to be? How are you going to do that? Build up maybe to 24 hours. I say here, learn to breathe. And by breathe, I mean not the shallow breathing that we, accustomed, we are accustomed to, where you see people's shoulders going up. We call this deep gut breathing, where if I was laying down on the ground and I put my coffee mug on my stomach, you would see it rise up and down, up and down. The breathing practice will help whenever we have these cravings of, I need this now for whatever we're giving up. And those cravings, if we don't recognize them and identify them and name them, usually lead to, well, we're going to go right back and have a meal or whatever the case may be. Um, and then recognize your tendencies when going without food. This is kind of the part of the process. What is God exposing to us whenever we give up whatever it is that we're giving up? And then commit to a regular time each week or month. Develop a ritual. So is there a particular decision or issue that you need to take before God? Is there something that you need to hear from God? Those or whatever question that you're entering into that time about. And be mindful of how you're doing it. What's your priority? How do others experience you? Do you know, do others even know that you're fasting? Um, and do you start each sentence with the other day when I was fasting? That's kind of like the... Okay, so do they really need to know that? Or if you say, the other day I was talking with God. The other day I had a moment with God. Okay, so wh what is this maybe exposing? Um, and then here is actually, bless you, uh, here's a prayer that... Is in the Book of Common Prayer. This is done, I think, on the first Sunday of Lent. And this is what I want us to close with today. O Lord, who for our sake didst, didst fast 40 days and 40 nights, give us grace to use such abstinence that our flesh being subdued to the Spirit, we may ever obey the godly motions in righteousness and true holiness to thy honor and glory, who livest and reignest with the Father and the Holy Ghost, one God, world without end. Amen. So, again, it's easy.